Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, and this week I'm joined by Rowan Horncastle. Nothing new there. Thank you, Rowan. But also joined by Ollie Marriage, Ollie Q. So there's four of us in the studio. It's two Ollies as well. Two Ollies. Double Ollie. Getting your money's worth on this, this is important. Surnames may have to be used uh, in this area. And this episode, we're going to be talking about fun, affordable cars, because let's face it, most of us are skint. Uh, the GT3 RS, because there are some people out there that aren't skint, and the demise of the Ford Fiesta. But first, what's on your mind, Roan? I think it's the same as everyone. The economy. Because, you know, heat or eat, mate. What are you the doing? most sensible answer you've ever uh, given yeah, to I know. that question. What are you, what are you, heat, heat, or, heat or eat? Are you heating or eating this winter? I'm eating, I'm just not heating it up. Cold pot noodles. Yeah, that's good. It's just really, really stodgy. Um, no, but with Trustonomics, Richie now in, what's going to happen? Mortgage rates being crazy. It's the bank, you know, bank stuff that's happening apparently but we were interested in what bank stuff is happening R- remember not to go to Rowan for sound financial yeah, advice yeah. <laughs> yeah. straight yeah. from the financial right. times bank stuff happening so uh... it's just getting well spent in it so basically is what I've heard but no we were we were talking about it the other day it's like how can you can you still do motoring on the cheap with you know the basic price of cars getting so expensive now everything being bought on finance and just being offset can you go away and have a really good motoring trip buy a cheap car and have a good uh, road trip with your mates for not a lot of money yes uh, i mean the answer shall i shall i give it away yes you can well it's the issue the, the answer is, yeah. <laughs> and also you'll notice on the cover of the magazine uh, the, the, the headline is cheap ish thrills because these are so we managed to get together four sub 30 grand cars the headline act is the toyota gr86 um ollie's going to ollie Marriage is going to explain a lot more about this because he's the only one that was actually on the trip. But um, cheapish because thirty grand—it's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. But of course, does anyone actually buy a car in cash anymore, or it's all on the monthly, isn't it? I think it probably is all on the monthly. I think most people. So we we sort of also had that line of three hundred quid a month is the quite a sort of target. But I think a lot of these even now because the leases leaseholds have gone up so much on them that you're still looking at over 400 quid a month, even for a, what you would call a relatively a sports affordable car. We've got to get out of jail free though, haven't we? Because when the GR86 went on sale, it was officially available from Toyota for 299 a, a month. month. You blink and you missed it, and a lot of people did, but you could. So, yeah, we, we, we're we not breaking our own rules there. It was no, because this, this is where this feature originally came from, was from when this car was announced, or just after you'd been out to drive at Q on the launch. I loved it on the launch, and that was already when the thing was selling out so um yeah spoiler alert if you're listening to this thinking oh yeah the gr86 been meaning to uh pop down to my dealer um you might be disappointed yes but we we also then thought oh what would be a good group test for it what would we do and then there was a bit of an issue getting hold of a gr86 when we'd organized for these cars to go over to our island to do a to, to do a big road trip across to connemara a cheap you don't need to go to um america you don't need to go across europe you can go across the sea you can look at some silly signposts that are in kilometers an hour and everyone speaks weird but then uh but that you're on didn't holiday. happen because it turns out ferry crossings are quite expensive <laughs> yeah. yeah but also the gr86 is an issue that we're not quite sure about 
uh, of what it was, but it was delayed. Well, it's the hold same of... issue that stopped it coming to Speed Week. It so is. So basically, yeah, yeah uh, w- whatever the issue was, it's now been resolved. A mysterious apparently. software update. So they've now pressed Control Alt Delete, and Ollie, you got to take it to Wales with some yeah. rivals, right? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for, before we start, though, are we going to have to have an, a klaxon sound if any of us calls it the GT86 rather than the GR86? I think that's yeah. fair, yeah. yeah. I've probably already done it a couple of times, have I? <laughs> no, you're good <laughs> no. so far. I've or, been or on high alert. Can you just kick me in the shins under the table? <laughs> with <did>. pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! <laughs> yeah. But no, we thought what would be fun is to round up, round up four affordable fun cars that sort of have that similar sort of vibe about them that entertainment vibe above all but from come from different areas so we got had a gr86 and we got it together with a mazda mx5 because that's the obvious affordable sports car everyone talks about a caterham 170 which is about as cheap a lightweight as you can get and yeah yeah three-cylinder turbo little 660cc suzuki engine lots of fun um, although you would, it's the one you would never say was exactly an everyday car. You're not going to have it as your own car. Especially as, your only as we're car. about to find out when the weather is when against you. When the weather's you. against you, it becomes a bit more a challenge. And the last one was I had, we had a, I wanted a hot hatch in there. So we, we it came down to two. It was either going to be a Fiesta ST or it was going to be a Hyundai i20N. And we eventually went with the Hyundai because it's just such good value and it's a really good all-round package. It's the so, reigning Top Gear car of the year. It is. And it's now still cheaper. Rains. I think it's now cheaper than a Fiesta, isn't it's it? You get all 20, that kit, yeah, the standard, it's like 25, 25 grand. grand. Yeah. yeah it's, a good, it's a really good value car because you look at the amount of kit and stuff that comes with it. Anyway, we're getting slightly ahead of ourselves. So what we decided to do was I wanted to do the road trip for under 300 quid per car. So go away for three days, through it for 300 quid. And that included all your costs for your car, plus your costs for yourself. So that <laughs> meant we weren't going to be staying in very nice places, smart places. But also I wanted to factor in some of the running costs of the cars. So you factor in a bit of the a share of the insurance, a share of the lease costs, a share of the tire wear and the fu- and obviously the fuel costs you you have on the on the cars so, there so we factored all that in a spectacular table um <clears throat> at the end mm. of the feature in the magazine which um i think we've called it the boring but really quite important bit mm. um because and it's fascinating because you've you've um diligently uh, um, I, I was no fun fa- fa- at petrol stations and and <laughs> supermarket trips where I went right. I, I need to know exactly how many liters and what it's cost you to put fuel in that car. It's fantastic. So, it's every lunch, <laughs> every snack, every yeah. Uh, well, every overnight parking, every parking, yep. everything's in there. And then at the bottom, even yeah, so tax and consumables, brakes yeah, yeah. and tires. One and of the things best like things I learned from that, from doing that, was how much a caterham's tire costs. So can't be much for a little 170 r surely. Exactly. Well, how much do you think? Have you seen? If you haven't seen it already, basically a bicycle tire. Can you remember? What, could you know what it costs? Got to be like a 165 section. I mean, that's what I used yeah, to put yeah. on my Fiesta back so in. So how much does a Caterham so, 170 tire cost? Oh, I mean, back in the day, I replaced that. It was about 40 quid. I'll allow for inflation. Let's go 65 pounds. Okay. So the others are all about 120 quid a tire. 110, 120 quid a tire. You can have an Avon ZT7 for 45 quid. In fact, you can what? get it for a little bit less if you really shop, really shop around. Yeah, 45 quid for a tyre. So you could have your all your tyres done. And a brand name tyre at that, not yeah, a yeah, sort yeah. of 
thing off the, like off a cart track. Yeah, yeah. No, the actual OE tyre fitment for the, for the Caterham 170 So immediately the ahead then, because surely yeah, yeah. not cost much so, tyres on But I had a theory with Caterhams that they're not, because they, uh, their aerodynamics are so bad and everything else, so well, the first thing I wanted to start out with, so we, we met in Oxford, we found the petrol station in Oxford, which had the cheapest fuel, so we all met there really early one morning. You forgot your Set, packed lunch. I forgot my packed lunch. And my dodge <laughs> or for at least one meal was going to be, I've got a bottle of packed lunch with me. Greg dodged it. Greg made the fatal mistake of turning it with a bag full of apples that he'd scrumped over the weekend, <laughs> but then offering them around to everyone. So he could have like he could have fueled himself for his, his kindness bag of will be his downfall. That yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's Greg Potts' uh, staff writer, for everyone knows, yeah. but also a very frivolous um, and, and, and frugal man. Very generous man. But so, yeah, we started with an economy run. I wanted to see if you do the speed limit all the way for 150 miles from Oxford up to Oswald Street. Which we would always do. Which we'd always do is how we always drive. (laughs) Is how efficient are those cars going to to be? And I didn't think the Caterham would do very well because it claims like 58 to the gallon. And I just thought as soon as you get going with the aerodynamics and everything off it, that's going to be rubbish. It'll be hopeless. And sure enough, it was actually really, really good. Really? And it did 56 to the gallon. Yeah. Or wow. something. So you only yeah. expected that because you've never driven a Caterham in that manner. Yeah. You've only <laughs> yeah. thrashed yeah. it around yeah. and gone, yeah. ah, 20 it's MPG. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. I can't get any higher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, they were all actually, I think we got over 40 to the gallon out of all of them. That Toyota engine is not very efficient. It's not very clean. It's not very efficient. It's 200 grams a kilometre of CO2, well, which one tax, of the big yeah. bills, that's the other one, is the first year tax. So the first year tax on the MX5 and the Hyundai is like 585 quid. The first year tax on the Toyota is £1,400. It's desperately unfair, isn't it, that the system clobbers you for nearly 1500 quid for your, you know, 1200 kilo Toyota sports car. But if you went and bought some sort of Range Rover plug-in hybrid that's the best part of three tonnes, mm. they probably end up paying you a dividend. Give you a yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. back, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we trotted off and did all, did some did an economy run, and then we went off. And we, the idea was to basically do a three-day trip around Wales, a couple of overnights en route, um, and, of course, as soon as we got to Wales, the heavens absolutely opened. The wind <laughs> came say. in. We had the tail end of one of those storms coming across the Atlantic. Um, and the weather was just biblical. Because so I th- we, all of us were meant to originally be on that original trip in Ireland. And it's such a good spread of cars that it, that it just looks fun. And we were all away when this was happening. And then the first image I see is water. Just, the Caterham is a bath. And then someone's <laughs> outside in the MX-5 with the roof down. I was like, actually, I'm quite glad that we're not on that and <laughs> for other drivers to be involved. But uh, well, yeah, apart from weather aside, what then happened? So we, I wanted to do some days out because I thought of doing a road trip is not just about driving the cars around. You want to do some fun stuff along the road. So I found a few little days out we could do. And our first stop was at Hlangollen, which is sort of up the A5. So if you're driving into Wales, it's on one of the main routes in. Anyway, there's a Hlangollen Motor Museum. It's £5 a head to get in. It's only open on about three days a month when the bloke can be bothered to open the doors <laughs> up. Um, and it's an absolute goldmine of old tat and cars and things you've never seen before and cabinets full of random stuff it's one of those places that is if you're into your cars is just wonderfully eclectic and bananas to go and visit it's not the peterson though it's what's his rosetta stone what's his star exhibit well, I think it, I don't know if it's a jow- javelin or something. He's got a car that I th- it was the underpinnings of something else, but then some local bloke 
who was an aero engineer like in the 60s or something, reclad this entire car in his own aluminium aero panels. And he built this sort of aero car, which is now sitting in his in his shut in his shed um so he's got some weird stuff he's got a collection of foot pumps which is maybe tells you a little bit more about the sort of lilo enthusiast (laughs) (laughs) but these are the sort of things you never find out unless you go on a a bargain road trip bargain road trip of all the things to collect foot pumps yeah, but oh, when yeah, someone yeah. needs a camp bed pumping up, putting up, who you <laughs> yeah. get to When the scouts come round and you've loaded them pumped up. Yeah. No, it probably takes us on to the accommodation afterwards about blowing up at your bed. But, um, <laughs> yeah, speaking of camp beds. But no, I yeah, saw yeah. some shots of you at some sort of motorsport facility, which I'd never seen before. That was day two. Marked, right. out, yeah, marked yeah, out with um, part-worn tyres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and weeds. So, oh, well, let's deal with, deal with that bit now. So I thought I knew Wales absolute backwards down to the last small track road at some stage i thought i've driven everything in wales there is to see and then i was zooming in on google maps and i found something called the ranges motorsport center which is not silverstone not silverstone (laughs) no it cost us 100 pounds for the day to rent so did that go on 25 quid yeah yeah 25 quid ahead on the budget can't get a track day for that can you no and it's owned by the Balloran District Motorsport Club, and it is an old military test range that they abandoned years ago. And all that is left is some very crummy old tarmac. And the instruction is when you roll up to the gate and you have the, have the combination lock, is you've got to clear the sheep off it before you go driving <laughs> on it. And that's, that is literally it. And then it is, it's, a, it's basically a rally test facility that on old concrete, and it's... Everyone over the years who's finished with their tyres from their rally car just then sort of leaves them there and they form a, a route around. They've basically a circuit marked out with tyres. And so we had this place to ourselves for a day, which was just an absolute uh, well, How bad was the surface? Was it just chewing In the tyres places, up? it was concerning. Greg Potts, <laughs> although he didn't realise it at the time, had the mother of all near misses because he there was a tyre that he went over because it was sort of partially sunk and he'd missed it. We, we did a little auto test, basically. We set up our track and had an auto test. And it finished with, you had to do up a slalom, a sort of a handbrake turn around the end of it. He ran wide in the caterham and went over a tyre that subsequently it proved to be the tyre was covering an enormous manhole cover. <laughs> and so he could have had the mother of all taking the, the budget, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically the Hyundai was probably the weapon of choice around there for it was the one that was going to cope most easily with a bit of being bumped and, and then shattered how, around. How did the accommodation work? Because I saw uh, a, a particularly spicy exchange on Twitter between yourself and Tom <laughs> Ford uh, as he yeah. tweeted, oh, look, I've only got, I've got this double bed in this dodgy room somewhere in Wales that I got to sleep in. And which to which you immediately replied saying, well, you've you got a, a whole bed. room to yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and a bed. It's like the rest of the team was shacked up in, was it on Tom Ford's rider that he had to have a room to himself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so that was that was night two, actually. Night one, so what I'd arranged is I thought, well, how can you do budget accommodation? Because Airbnbs are quite expensive. Um, hotels are going to be way out of our league because if you're paying 60, 70, 80 quid a night, even like a Premier Inn, it's going to be way too too much money. Right, okay, static caravan. You can have a three-bed static caravan at Porthmadog Beach for 120 quid for the night. 
but it's only a three-bedroom caravan. So my jeopardy was whoever spent the most money on day one has to sleep in the pop-up tent that I shoved in the boot of the GR86. <laughs> but that backfired, didn't it? And that backfired spectacularly <laughs> on, me, on me. Should have brought your lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have made the difference, I think. I did do the figures and it was like, it was like, oh my God, if I just hadn't had pudding at lunchtime, I'd have, that would have, it wouldn't pudding, have been me in the tent. Pudding, I'm doing again. Yeah. Chucky yeah. moo-moos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we had a static caravan and I had a pop-up tent outside a static caravan on first night. Um, so we divided the cuffs all up for that night. And then the second night we stayed in a youth hostel. Um, and I'd arranged we were all going to share rooms. <laughs> it's just, well, glamorous. Said, not job, glamorous. Yeah. Um, but then we got there and this was down in, near Tenby in South Wales. And the uh we were the only people in the youth hostel so the attendant on the desk said look you, you don't all need to bunk up together if you don't want there are rooms so no we did actually all have our own rooms that night so let's take it back to the cars then obviously a great fun trip um actually i do wish we were there hearing know, about it now proper laugh because i know that we would have laughed our heads off and you jack probably would have gone through the manhole cover and, oh. then, and <laughs> someone would have ended up on the roof in the, the motorsports park but you know there are widespread cars that give have different dynamics different drivability offer something different to the driver but are all ultimately fun cars um how do they like shape up from that point of view um well the 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 mx5 was a bit of a letdown if i'm honest i expected that that was the car that was shown up most clearly by the gr86 because that gr86 is a really really good car it's got it's got what it's always needed to have, if you like. It's got the power now. It's got all the... The chassis balance is brilliant. It's, it's, it's got some torque at last. It's got some torque in it, yeah. <laughs> it, so I actually really enjoyed driving it. It showed the MX-5 up for having the sort of slightly weak body control and just feeling a bit flaccid of, that it actually is. The i20N's good still. Um, that still feels quite an eager, hungry little Interesting that that was the best around the type little um, track on crappy surfaces mm. otherwise known as most roads most in the UK roads. Yeah, yeah yeah so it really is I mean there's a couple of things with it you sit a bit high and the steering wheel's too big but apart from that you sort of go well if I'm nitpicking at that level what we've got here is a really good car for 25 grand and you've got actually got proper usable practicality which the MX-5 is well if you want a roadster then you want that but otherwise if you want to actually a car that you can use boot, that little I-20N is still a really really good car also it's like an S-Class compared to the Caterham with yeah, the amount of tech available yeah, on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to so, say. Did the i20N not feel a little bit overcomplicated? All the other cars are just stuff you just jump in, hit the button, turn the key, and off you go. Whereas that, you've got to set up how angry well, you, you want your differential, don't you? And you all the sort of can. There's a lot of buttons you can play with, but actually, if you just get in and press the big blue N one on the steering wheel, you're in pretty much doing whatever you need to do anyway. It does it, it, does it all already. But the, so in a way, the surprise was the Caterham because... It's it's a bit like I sort of uh, it's a bit like going scuba diving. You put all the kit on and you are not you feel so uncomfortable until you get into your natural environment, and then once you're once you're do, doing that, you're absolutely fine. But you get into the caterer and if it's raining outside and you look at it outside, you just go, "Oh my god, this is going to be so painful." But then once you actually if, if you Friday you wrap yourself up properly, once you're in in the car. And driving, you, you don't need to move your hands more than like two inches away from the steering wheel at any time. Everything then works. And it is a magic, magic little car for just batting around in. 
but you really do have did. to get out and let like a North Sea trawlerman yeah, yeah, has I just did. come ashore yeah, in yeah. their waterproofs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I did. In fact, I didn't bother taking it off. This is the thing we did because we, we needed to swap twin cars. Although we were each championing a car, and I needed to drive them all, so we switched around between them. And so it was Greg and I spent the time in the caterham and I made sure that I was not going to regret it by taking my full sort of Southern Ocean sailing kit. Great. You should have had your scuba gear with you. Yeah, maybe yeah. Like, yeah. it would have worked. Yeah. 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 would be better than ever. No one's seen me in a wetsuit, that's for sure. For listeners as well who just enjoyed the Speed Week issue where they've seen Greg effectively drive across Europe in a Morgan three-wheeler to come back <laughs> and immediately be almost drowned in whales in the caterham. <laughs> so he'll be looking forward to a car with a roof, I should think. Yeah, I'll plan to offer Greg Potts. It's just well, somewhere no, not it's building well, up. Is it? No, no, yeah. Staff writers, they have very thick skin. <laughs> By the end of the, when they, when they get to a now. senior staff writer. So, yeah. But yeah. just to, uh, but, but I think overall the GR86 won. It did. It, did. it wasn't the cheapest to run because we yeah. did, two of them did, did go around for under 300 quid. Mm. Um, that was the I-20N and the Caterham. Caterham, unsurprisingly. Um, but yeah, as a car, as the best in the test, then that GR86 is really good. Because, yeah, let's write the GT86 10 years ago or 12 years ago now, I can't remember when it first came out, was our car of the year, performance car of the year. So this coming along, it's one of those great things. But, um, but it's think, quite late, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, 10 years since the GT86, which brings us to our controversial question. Uh, is I the GR86... The yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Smooth as silk. Is the GR86 six years too late? You know, 10 years after the GT86, it's the incremental improvements that we all said the first time we drove a GT86. Yeah, it feels like so the midlife facelift. Yeah. Exactly. It, it should, this is what it, that is what it should have been that many years ago. And what as a result of that, what Toyota's backed themselves into a corner with a car that where its CO2 emissions and pollutants mean it can only be sold in Europe for the next two years, and they're only bringing in a handful in. And you just think, well, where... Where where was the big sales decision on that? Yeah, Why? when I, I drove the car on its launch earlier in the year and came back and it was one of those cars where everyone was sort of, you know, you get texts from people you're not spoken to in ages going, how is it? Is it any good? And, you know, what are the big improvements? And I was saying it's talk and it's the touchscreen now has Apple and Android <laughs> yeah. connectivity so you don't have Ooh. to use the rubbish Toyota touchscreen, which, you know, sounds facetious, but hey, you know, this is how we interact with cars now. You want them to talk to your phone. So it's like, great, you can use the interface off your phone and you don't fall head first, first into a torque hole every time you change gear. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, everyone's going, oh, is that it? And you kind of go, well, yeah, but that's all the car needed. It's all we wanted mm. for all this time. But it's just, why was this not available I mean, a few years ago, I guess you kind of have to say, maybe it's not Toyota's fault. Maybe it's Subaru's because the engine, after all, is a Subaru flat four. But also, is that time period, has it made it more relevant than ever? Or better to wait to the way that it things It doesn't have... feel a decade out of date, if you like. It's, <clears throat> as a thing to drive, you drive it and you go, oh, God, do you remember when cars were like this? It's brilliant. <laughs> so it feels, at once it feels quite old-fashioned and also it feels bang up to, well, this is what we, how this is, the way we enjoy driving hasn't changed that much. And by keeping the interior slightly shiny and ropey in places, mm. that's how they can do it for, for five or under 30 to. grand. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, there is enough demand for it because the mm. thing sold out as soon as they put it on sale. Yeah. It's are such they, a shame. Are they bringing any more to the UK? There was talk about them sort of jockeying for some Australian allocation. Yeah, or... that's the thing. If you're going to get right-hand drive ones, you need to nick them off the Japanese or the Australians. 
And I don't know if that's a fight that Toyota's going to win, especially now we've said it's right, brilliant. I don't want to have a fight with a Japanese or Or Australian, Australian, to be honest. No, 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 they're both quite handy. I think Um, if you have got your name down for one, it's not going to depreciate, is what we're going to say, which kind of ties back into our theme. You're not going to lose any money on a Toyota GR86. Don't promise that. Come on, we can't. That's that's not our mini budget. That's not what we're going to promise. BBC does not endorse. Martin Lewis endorsed. (laughs) Money saving expert. All All right, I think it's time to move on. Shall we? Uh, shall we bring in the whole copter? Yes, I've, yeah. Yeah, no, speak to air traffic control. Let's get them, <laughs> get, get them fired up. Ready. Clear Clear the landing. Right, it's time for landing. This is the bit, of course, where we give uh, Top Gear's uh, mega brain Paul Hurrell sixty seconds, which is not nearly enough time to talk about quite a complicated subject. So, should we get Paul on? Yes, let's do him. No, actually, no, that was bad. <laughs> let's not. Let's just get him on the talk to him. Yeah, just talk to him. Let's do that. Take him out for dinner first. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Paul. You're in a car. Hey, I'm in a car. I am. Which car are you in? I'm in a Nissan Aria. Ah, what part of the world? Japan? Uh, no, Buckinghamshire. <laughs> <laughs> The Kyoto of of, of Britain. Oh, uh, yeah, no, often often known as that way. Yeah, it's, I'm surrounded by a neon city. You know, above me are viaducts, beneath me are subways. Yeah, it's just like Japan. Just about to go and have my sushi, my bowl of ramen. Right. Well, are you all fired up? You ready for your monthly sixty second stress fest? Oh, stop it, Jack. You have no idea how nervous this makes me. <laughs> we love it. Right. I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Rowan, who's going to give you this month's blind topic. Right, Paul. I know that this one is going to be one which you'll probably burst out of the 60 seconds and beyond, but we'll try our best to keep it tight. But, Paul Horrell, why is Ford killing the Fiesta its best-selling car? Go. It's very, very hard to make profit on small cars uh, because obviously people want them as cheaply as possible and it costs nearly as much to make a small car as it does to make a big car. Um, also, Ford, uh, like everybody else, is short of semiconductor chips. And if you've only got so, so many semiconductor chips, obviously what you want to do is put them into the cars that make you more profit. So they're more likely to sell you a Cougar or one of their other bigger cars. Um They also say it's because they want to turn over their factory in Cologne to making uh, electric cars. Um, I'm a little bit suspicious of that because um, they won't sell as many big expensive electric cars as they would sell Fiestas. Uh, Basically, Ford has been a dominant force in the European market for a long time. And what it's doing is withdrawing. It's kind of rolling over and having its tummy tickled. It's saying, if you want a mass manufacturer, go to Hyundai or Kia. We're just going to do a few random disparate cars. We think we can make money on one minute and two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Paul. Well, we've got another nerd in the room, Ollie Q, who also wants to counter a point. As well as why Ford are doing it, because he's more to embellish. I would never try and out nerd Paul live on air. <laughs> but Paul, I heard a conspiracy theory, and I know conspiracy is dangerous territory on the internet. But basically, because the Puma's built in Eastern Europe, and that the Fiesta's built in Germany, the Fiesta costs more to make anyway because German labour rates are higher. So Ford are keener to kill that off nice and soon because their more profitable car is made somewhere that people are paid less to make cars. Anyway, does that make sense at all? It does make sense, but I'm just scratching my memory bank. Is the P- 
Puma made in Cryova in Romania. It would that was a factory where they've made some transits and where they also made the uh initially started making the dreadful Eco Sport or Echo Sport. Was it an Eco Sport with an Echo Boost engine or an Echo Sport with an Eco Boost engine? I can't remember which way around it was, but anyway, the plant's in a place called Cryova. If that's now where they're making the uh Puma, then yes. <laughs> should we be should we be sad should we be sad that the fiesta's going i think I, I just love small cars you know i my first ever car was a fiat uno those of you who are old enough to remember that um yeah i i love simple small narrow light cars uh and the fiesta was the best of them and i'm sad so basically the, the more but they can't just do it the they can't just do it for the amusement of of us you know, or indeed, you know, I mean, I think it's obviously going to be difficult if you're a learner driver, if you want to buy your first new car. Although, who are all these people who, oh, like, my first car is a new car? Who are those people? You know, your first car, the feeling, was it um, drawn by horses? No, it was. It was. It was actually. Even when I bought it, a Fiat Uno was a second-hand car. Can I yeah. just? <laughs> my, yeah, my, um, my my first car was uh, built in the same year I was born, and I thought that was fairly that was new enough. I thought ran on four star. If my first car was built petrol. in the year I was born, it would be a flat four floor flat floor tri- um, Jaguar E Type with a four speed mox box. Uh, it's right? interesting that's Marriage. how you see yourself. <laughs> I don't know it. PH, I'm holding my hands up. So that would have been nice. I was born two <laughs> years into the Jaguar E Type's life. Were planes in the sky 63. at that point or not? <laughs> yeah, but they, had, but they were biplanes, Row, and they, they were apt to fall out with their engines on fire. Right, okay. <laughs> anyway, Paul, thank you so much for your time. That's that. We're all quite sad. Well, I'm sad that the Fiesta's going as well. Yeah, I'm definitely. Sad. Sad. Tears I'm in the sad. Room. I'm looking around. I'm looking around this car park and there's. There's some Skoda Fabia over there, or is it Fabia? Uh, and that's it. Nobody drives small cars anymore, and they should. We'll get you a Citroen Ami. Sad times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too no, far. They're small Go and they're far. small. <laughs> All right, Paul. Awesome, Paul. Thank you for tuning in from Kyoto of Britain, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Right, I'm going to have lunch. Bye. Sayonara. Enjoy your sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll just calm down a bit after uh, after 60 seconds of horror. Um, what else is going on in this issue? Well, it's a bumper issue as ever. As ever. Lots Rowan. in it. As ever, goes without saying. Ollie Marriage, you've been somewhere. I took a an Armageddon-proof camper van or Armageddon-proof caravan to the north of Scotland. Uh, uh, being towed by? A Defender. And did the Defender work? I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read the copy, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave that a cliffhanger for you, but you can make your own mind up uh, where those, that what? bet is hedged against. Um, we had the Rolls-Royce Spectre, which, uh, you know, yeah. the new EV Rolls-Royce. Studio oh, yeah. shoot with uh, that. It's going to save the planet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 300 grand and three yeah. tonnes of electric car. In but, your yeah. face, global warming. Yeah. Um, we also had a, a, another studio shoot, actually, um, and a talk around the new Koenigsegg CC850, which is their kind of retro throwback to the original car they make, which is really cool, and a chat with Christian von Koenigsegg himself. Yeah, very simple gearbox in that one, isn't it? Ah, nice and simple. Yeah, and just, manual. Just, just a manual slash nine-speed, or six-speed manual slash nine-speed auto. But I, you're going to have to read about it. I wrote <laughs> yeah. it down and then immediately forgot about it. <laughs> and then we went out to Japan to see um, Peugeot's new wingless Le Mans car mm. at work. Hang on, Very Le Mans cool. isn't in Japan. What are you going there for? 
Oh no, put it wrong in the sat nav. No, it was at the FIA <laughs> getting repaired for Le Mans next year. Oh. But then talking of wingless things, there was something with a big wing on the back yeah, of it. Yeah, so, so we made up for the wing deficit on the Peugeot with uh, uh, a feature, first drive of the new 911 GT3 RS. Uh, Chris Harris uh, wrote this one. Um, he drives it around Silverstone. Um, partially sideways, which is not the point of this car because it's a high downforce car. Um, well, it was thoughts, banned. There was th- no. We were told no sideways whatsoever, which, verboten. Is, which is impossible yeah. for yeah, Chris. It, <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually on the same rotation as Chris because I basically really wanted to go and have a go. So I went down to Silverson and it was absolutely thrashing it down with rain. So not being sideways was not really an option. I was trying <laughs> desperately to keep it straight and out the barriers, but we're just sliding about. Every corner seemed to have a different level of grip, um, which wasn't ideal. Chris, though, got lucky, and there was a kind of window in the middle of the day where he got a few dry laps in. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll come to that. But what's everyone's thoughts on this new GT3 RS? Have they gone too far? No, I just think they're having their have fun while they can, while it's still legal to build something like this. But that's just the thing, the legality for me. I mean, how how on earth is it allowed to have number plates on it? I just yeah. can't believe it. I haven't heard a clear answer to that yet because I thought your your wing had to be within the boundaries of the cabins. Lies. But if, if you lent in, if you were one of those people walking off a pavement going, whoa, the wing would collect you. Yeah. It's so massive at the it, back. It, it's the first Porsche to have a wing when the DRS... Um, element is in its highest position, so taller you know, than the roof. Isn't yeah, it's taller yeah. than the roof. But maybe it sort of escapes that because when it retracts, it's then slightly lower than the yeah, roof. Yeah. I don't know. And but just what a thing, though. nerd point. I've seen an angle of the GT3 RS that I don't know if you chaps have, and it's known it's an angle that <laughs> you most owners put one on his roof. Have you? Well, most owners really aren't going to want to see this. But I got to see it on a vehicle lift the other day, and I was got to play it around underneath it. And just underneath it is phenomenal. Not just the aerodynamics of the brakes, but even the way the suspension's been shaped to develop 40 kilograms of downforce I mean you could mount them on the wall and almost no one would think that you're a weirdo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all think you're a weirdo but no, but no we, we've all we actually went down to Dunsfold and all had a go because we've got an upcoming video against a GT4 RS mm-hmm. because we were well I'm I'm a, a big RS fan but the GT3 RS looks very very serious now especially when you have four toggles on the steering wheel to do your damper um, your damper rates and your DRS and your the traction your discs and yeah. everything else going through has it got a bit too far whereas the GT4 RS as we mentioned last month is the perfect balance of performance performance but also it's just it's got this huge heart and this huge sense of humour and it's like you just you know you're not going to do your outright fastest lap ever but you might well have the most fun you've ever had and there's stamp make sure you tune in for that video because there's some excellent science that occurs where um <laughs> i'm in the passenger seat uh, ollie marriage is driving and we try and demonstrate what downforce and lateral g means for apex speeds yeah mostly, quite a lot. it means quite a lot but should we um I managed to catch up with Chris on this launch uh, in a glamorous car park um, and just get his hot take on the GT3 RS straight after he got out of it. Um, so, should we listen to that? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Cool, here's Chris. Right, Chris. So, you and I, which is a bit of a rare one, have both literally just driven the GT3 RS around Silverstone and we're now sitting in the car park outside to discuss it. How was it? Um, it's it's exactly what I expected it to be. It's a it's an exercise in lap time more than anything else. So I'm not sure it's really relevant to drive on the road. I mean, it, it's totally road legal. 
And I think having now seen the way you can adjust all the dampers um, per axle, I, I'm I'm convinced it won't be that bad on road either. So it must be three or four seconds faster around here than a GT3. And that's because it can go through fast corners faster. And, and I think the most impressive thing for me, I think I was lucky to get a dry lap or a dry-ish lap because the weather's been bad today, is that the braking stability and the ability to, to just get into the brakes as quickly as possible is the thing that defines the car for me. It just feels, it does, we often say it feels like a racing car. No road car feels like a racing car. That's mostly a good thing because they don't often feel yeah. very good. But this thing in the high-speed part of Beckett's Maggots, you can just get the car on the nose so early on, and 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 then and then when you try and make a direction change afterwards, they've limited the dive of the car. They'd have told you that, wouldn't they? It used to dive twelve mil, and now dive six. It's more supported, and it would just it just scoots around that section, and you really do feel the downforce. Yeah. It's there, and it, it's undeniable. Well, you say that, Chris, but when I did my laps, it was it wasn't raining, but it had rained more recently. I think you got relatively lucky with your window because the track was drying before it rained again so you probably got an approximation of a dry lap yeah it? not Maybe far yeah. off yeah. yeah 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 what what time it flashes up on the dash doesn't I think it you did a 14 two fourteen. yeah yeah what did you do half a minute faster than me <laughs> it was much better yeah well you can make all your excuses boss. yeah 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 uh it's it's a it's uh it's the most committed um aerodynamic track road car i've seen made by a normal manufacturer since the mclaren center i think you know yeah. it's it's all about the track performance yeah and it's fascinating having um andreas proninger here today to walk us around it it's just it's essential isn't it for him to to, to describe because he doesn't just go that bit does that that bit does that he explains the full process from we began by needing more downforce, so we had to change the radiator concept. So we had to get rid of some hot air. So we had to put this fin here, and it's brilliant watching his brain unfold. Yeah, they've. I think normally what happens with a fast car, um, we know enough people that run these projects. They have an idea, and by the time that idea is productionized, it's a shadow of its former self. And he start. They start out by saying, "I want it to be this and this and this." And then normally what happens is it's got a big wing and that's about it. Was this thing is is it's the most detailed I've seen in a streetcar. There's an awful yeah. lot going on. And that's before you start looking at what they've done with the dampers and the diff. I mean, we've been looking at people have described things as adjustable and variable for a long time. But this is the first time I've started a road car where you can adjust the compression and the the rebound on dampers on the fly on mm. the steering wheel in that way. Yeah. It's it's even if you're not even if you can't drive it properly, it's so cool. It's so much fun. I mean, to be to be fair, I sort of came back after the the moist laps and uh, and was trying to find positives from it because it was pretty slippy out there. And actually, playing with the settings was was the best bit because everything happens at slower speeds yeah. and it's more exaggerated. So the the e diff and the way you um, the coast and power function, so you can get it sort of slightly looser on the way in, and you can feel that. Yeah, yeah, and that's fantastic. And the seven-stage traction control and clicking away with that. To be honest, I needed about 100 laps to, to get through all the settings and find your perfect, you know. It, it, it's it, These are all toys for people to play with. Um, and it means you haven't got to get underneath the car with an Allen key to change dampers and stuff like that, which I think is great. I think we have to acknowledge, though, that Porsche is a is a conservative car company. I think that's why this car shocks us so much, because it's quite, you think, blimey, it's quite full-on for them. But the parameters they're leaving you to play with are the last, you know, five ten percent yeah, of what the yeah. car can do. They, if you get the damper settings completely wrong for the conditions, it's not going to fire you off. Yeah. 
So I think I think there is some there's some Porsche common sense in there. But yeah, the idea of being able to I think it's great for people to be able to feel what a diff does. You know, if you if you put, if you if you have a diff that's tight on overrun or coast as they call it, um, and loose on the exit, you know, you you watch what it's like when you try and turn the car in. It will not turn in. Yeah. Um, and and likewise, you know, you can you can make it nice and open, and, and it will turn in beautifully, mm-hmm. and then you know get your locking factor right on the exit, and you'll feel all the crap that we've been talking about for years. Yeah, I love that. I just they understand their customers, don't they? Yeah. The people that buy this car are going to be a mixture of those that want to just boast about the fact they got one, and those that those that you see in the car park at the Nurburgring that are getting absolutely hammered, and you know that they're going to drive home reliably because Porsche are the best at doing this stuff. Yeah, I did love playing with the. Um, did, you, did you have a click of the DRS override button just for the fact that you could say I've gone down the Silverstone Straight and hit the DRS button? On but I Porsche. think actually it's so clever. That it's st- it's it's stalling the wing a bit anyway. Mm. I had a look in the rearview mirror; I could see it go down. So the active aerodynamics are so clever because unless, unless you are unless you are below unless you're above a certain speed on full throttle, it's, the wing isn't yeah. fully in attack mode. It knows it's, 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 it it's reducing itself. Yeah. No, it's it must be uh, it must have been interesting to set the thing up. Yeah. Because they they there's so many possibilities and don't forget it's got rear steering as well so yeah. there's so much going on oh yeah did you manage to make it slide not what this car's about no no it's interesting isn't it at the moment the message is we don't want it being slid but all i'm doing is sitting watching videos of it sliding around on the where we had lunch yeah so uh well we, we've not got to that point yet i'm about to go out with neil and maybe do a bit of slide in a minute good 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 is there enough power so you know one of the things i loved about this car when i first saw the specs is it's got 500 horsepower it's got the you know same as a gt a little bit more but effectively the same as a gt3 um does it need more? it feels like it, it could deal with more yeah I, I i think it is what it is if they could if it could have 600 horsepower they would have given it 600 horsepower and you can tell they they would want to and i think logically there's probably a step where they can try and give us more power it'd have to be through turbocharging mm-hmm. wouldn't it yeah. but yeah i can i can talk about the concept of the engine being brilliant i love the fact that it revs it's exciting but the least impressive part of the car is the way it goes in a straight line. Yeah. This or a GT4 RS then? Oh, this by by some mark. I, I like the GT4 RS. I think it's I think it's brilliant. But this is fascinating for me. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure the GT4 RS is sweet to a mid-engine what have you. But this is so silly. Yeah. And when I first saw it, I thought it looks crap. It looks ridiculous. But now I've seen it. Excuse me. When I've seen uh, the when I've seen it in signal yellow with those big wings, I just think it looks the absolute. Dogs danglies, I love it. It does. And when you park it next, because they got all the, the heritage GT3 RSs in the Porsche Performance Centre, and uh, you just look at them and you just go, it's just, just normal Porsches with a wing on. And then this thing, these vents and... I did, I did a body check. So the first the first GT3 RS, the 996, the wing, just my belly button. This one's at my chin. It's the first Porsche, production Porsche, where the wing in its high downforce setting is higher than the roof of the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderfully silly. I'm so glad they've done it. But I think for people that buy it, and this is the last point I'll make on it, is that those that want to engage with it, it'll be an exercise in, in your driving skill. And you'll need to go in, into corners fast enough to get the braking performance right and to get that advantage. You'll need to grow a pair in the fast corners to feel that downforce. It's all there. If you, you, know, if you, if you go to a track day at Silverstone with your mate in his normal GT3 and you're in an RS... It'll be eye-opening, but you'll have you'll have to get the extra performance out of the car. You can't just smoke it down the straights. You can't be, yeah, yeah exactly. You're gonna have to. Uh, you cannot be slower than your mate in the. But GT3. it is, but it is 
it's a different beast altogether. I'm yeah. really impressed. So where on earth do they go from here? You know, a classic journalist. Oh, nice car. But uh, what's next? But really, you know, where do you... He power, has... power. So, 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 so yeah. that car could handle 800 horsepower. So, so... They're not going to strap some turbos on a... I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, there's there. no plan for a GT2 RS, I don't think, at the moment. Mm. So maybe this is the one among the next car, whatever, facelift. Maybe that has more power. I don't know. But it certainly... It just... It doesn't need more power, but yeah. it could handle more power. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's a car... It's sort of a car that has got all our nerdy engineering senses sparking, hasn't it? It's not, not like a GT4S that just shouts at you and feels brilliant and bright straight away. But... Um, Quite like that. Yeah, and it's a track car. You know, it's mm. a track car that's usable on the road. But if you if you don't want to use it on track, I wouldn't. That's the thing I'd say. Don't bother. A normal yeah. GT3 would be better. Yeah. But, but if you do any track work at all, or you just want to be seen, yeah. this is the one. And telling, isn't it, that they haven't? They're basically not letting anyone drive it on the road yet. So you can you can drive it on track. Exactly. You know, it, it, give it, I think, three or four months, and they'll let us have a go on the road. But um, I think it'd be fine on the road because you can dial everything. Well, dial you can, everything you can down. slacken the dampers off yeah. if you want. Yeah. No, dead impressed. Okay, shall we finish up with a little bit of a pub quiz, gentlemen? Sounds Fancy good. that? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Now, we're going to mix it up. It's, it's, it's the same as ever. It's the Top Gear Top 9 adjudicated by Ollie Q, who writes these amazing Top 9 lists for the website, for the magazine. Um, but there's more of us this week, so it's going to be Marriage, Horncastle and Rick's. In competition. Three-way death match, but only two <laughs> guesses each. Two guesses each, because otherwise we'll be here all day. So gonna um, get, There's always going to be three and never yeah. going to get. Yeah, same <laughs> format. Ollie, you hit us with the topic, and then we'll just shout... Well, no, we'll take it in turns. We'll keep it orderly. One, one each in turn? Yeah, yeah. One, one okay. each. One and then each. another round. Uh, and then we'll have another round. Okay. Um, so. This edition's topic is... I went into the depths of Wikipedia to find the top nine sensible cars... With very silly engines. I'm looking for really normcore family runabouts, but just with engines that the engineers completely took leave of their senses when they offered them in that car. I should get the creative yeah. juices flowing. I'm learning as we go along with these. He put a lot of emphasis on very silly engine and normcore family car. So my first guess. Like first. Yes, you can. As <laughs> Ollie Q spills the water over his so excited for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Ollie. Right. Jack, you're uh, taking first guess. I'm going to go first. Uh, I'm going to go straight with the um, old Defender V8. The old Land Rover Defender. So not the current... They've yes. done a V8 in the current one, but you're talking about... I'm talking about the old one. It was the kind of run out... The, yeah. The, 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 the yeah. SVA. The SVA, yeah. Something like that. I don't know why I'm stringing yeah. you along, because no Land Rover Defender on this <laughs> list. <laughs> that is an incorrect <laughs> answer. Uh, and also, is it Normcore? Well, I mean, you yeah, see Defenders it... Are, defenders yeah, are defenders. You see enough of them around London. It, it's a... It's a school run yeah. car in where no, I No, it's not. It's a farmer's car. Come on, let's not get <laughs> yeah. arguing about this. South dude. London. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, this is the old one. Would have right. been a perfect candidate. It's not on the list. Rowan, can um, I guess? So normal car crazy engine. What about an old S600? You know, just a normal executive car with a massive naturally aspirated V12 or later on... Five point, yeah, or 5.5 litre V12. Yeah. Man of the 7. people. 3, yeah. Rowan Horncastle here <laughs> saying that a Mercedes S-Class, ladies and gentlemen, normal. is a normal car. <laughs> Just a normal runabout. It's a normal that executive salute. Incorrect <laughs> answer, I'm what? afraid. There are... Here you go. Here's an early clue. I'm sweeping in with a clue. Did the nanny there take are, you to, to school in an S-Class? <laughs> no. There are... 
other Mercedes on this list that combine kind of normal runabout body with idiotic engine more effectively than an S600. Ah, I've got one. I think I'm, I'm, well, I don't know. Let's find out. MPV. Okay. Renault Espace F1. Ooh. I had that on my list as well. So this was a 90s concept car, wasn't it? Where they took yeah, the, yeah. Was it a V10? It was a, I think, yeah, it was. It was a V10 Formula Mid-engine, 1 engine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I considered this or, one right d- in the okay, list. Okay, or can I back but, it up with Transit Superfan? No. No, 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 no. For a start, that's a van, so you've answered your own question. We're looking for normal cars and normal engines. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, afraid that's, that's an incorrect answer as well, Ollie. That's a concept <sighs> car. That's a one-off. These cars were all on sale to the general right. public. But you didn't make Come that on, clear. And to answer your question, that's what I did used to go to school in, was an old R-Edris Espace. So yes, not an S-Class. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that with an F1 engine is what I would have liked to have gone to school in. Yeah. And it feels very norm course. So you yeah. See, you would have got yeah. there so much quicker. Yeah. Just have more time for football before first bell. Anyway. So it's our first ever top nine quiz with three participants and no one's got a correct answer yet. <laughs> yeah, right. The pressure's too great. Second now go. I'm going to um, abandon my initial strategy and go with the crumbs that you've left behind. Mercedes, um, R-Class, AMG. Was it an R6... Yeah, yeah, yeah. AMG. It would be is a correct a answer. Word. We have one at last. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This yes. Is, who remembers the Mercedes R class before yeah. kind of who can forget SUVs? It? They were everywhere at one point. <laughs> well, they say I think apparently they sold. I had I've read different numbers, but I've heard it was 12. 12 R63s were sold in the UK. <laughs> Did this you was, have to be on a list to get one? You couldn't I actually order was, one. You had to be like a bespoke owner, like if you wanted a like yeah, a GT3 if you wanted it for like diplomatic yeah. purposes, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, maybe for the embassy. But yeah, the R class for for listeners. Maybe too young to even have seen one of these things. Awful hippopotamus on wheels. It was like a six-seater SUV kind of estate car. But they still lobbed in the 503 horsepower, 6.2-litre V8. That is AMG <laughs> at its best and also at its worst, I think. At right, its best. And a tick in the box. One point for Jack. <clears throat> Come on, leading. bro. Right. Well, yeah, Normcore in America. Let's go for... What was the Ram truck? The SRT Norm 10? Yes. <laughs> the V10 engine in it, the Viper engine in the truck, the Ram SRT 10, was it? He's got the name, it is a correct answer. <laughs> yeah, of course. A Dodge Ram is just one of those cars that in certain states, you know, would be the most common vehicle on the road, but still in, from 2004 to 2006, just looking at my notes here, you could get one with an 8.3 litre V10 from a Dodge Viper that had 510 horsepower and would do 0 to 60 in 4.9 seconds. I mean, also got the stupidest hood scoop you've ever seen. That has and to be... Stripes. Oh, yeah, optional stripes. Optional stripes, but yeah, one of the but most the American objects on ever. that is quite spicy. <laughs> Wouldn't really fit with our budget issue. It was a Grand Turismo champion when I was growing up. Loved it. Excellent. So that's a point for Jack and a point for Rowan. We're coming back. Oh, Ollie, in order to not um, be left behind, you need to get one here, mate. Uh, right, uh, hatchback. Clio V6. Oh, perfect. The Renault Clio V6. Was the V6 an outrageous engine? Wasn't it just out of a lagoon? outrageous car. What planet do you live on? <laughs> it's, <laughs> not that, it's not outrageous. A V6. He's, like, he's know, trying to let me down gently. Yeah. I am. Um, it's an incorrect answer. Oh. Sorry, Ollie. Not I on the list. I rarely do this, but I stand with my com- fellow competitor. <laughs> don't don't argue against outrageous <laughs> engine in a car like that. The Lord of Top Nines. Do you have any other hot hatches in there? I didn't have any hot hatches. I went once. I went down the American wormhole. I mean, can I, should I give you some answers now that are, are on God, the list? So, GMC we... Cyclone. Do you have the Cyclone in there? That's another pickup, though. Yeah, that was another V6. Not going on about V6. Oh, <laughs> 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 
Um, we're going round again. No, 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 no. We, 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 we between Jack Something and I, we're one each. Yeah, we're oh, one, one each. Okay. Sorry, oh. Ollie, wooden spoon. Right. Who's gonna get the gold medal? <laughs> right. Um, uh, options. Many options. I'm gonna go with the <laughs> Audi Q7 V12 TDI, which I have driven actually. Oh, I remember the one we had with the teak deck. The, the teak oh, deck yeah. boot. Yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of teak. The gearbox cannot keep up. It, it's the, just the most insane engine. Stupid engine. Jack, that is a correct answer. The Audi Q7 V12 TDI is a classic of this theme. The Q7, completely boring, usual SUV nonsense, but they stuck in a 6-litre, 12-cylinder V12 engine. 12-cylinder uh, V12, obviously. 737 pounds-feet of torque, 2.7 tonnes. This was back in the days when Audi were ruling Le Mans with um, turbo diesel engines. I used one to break a British land speed record. Did you? Yeah, I've still, I think I still hold it. Or maybe Port Piers Ward does, once of this parish. Well, Piers yeah. isn't here, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely yours. <laughs> yeah. Now that, with my top maths, that's two points for Jack. Rowan, if you're going to survive this Three sudden points. death. Hang on, was it golden that's gold? Was it golden gold? Oh no, two points, yeah. Golden gold. Golden gold. <laughs> no, no, hold on, I have to go first. Okay, so you, you World Cup reference there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if you want to tie it up, you need this point. Uh, you said American. You went down an American wormhole, so I'm going to think of something American. Thousand horsepower. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Sounds like it would come from a big engine. What about a Dodge Demon? Because ultimately the Challenger is just a normal car in America. Yes, it's a muscle car, but then normal car, big, crazy, supercharged engine. What does we, wheelies? What, does wheelies? He's making a good case, but it's not on the list. Oh, right. It's an incorrect <laughs> oh, I'm walking out now. This is crazy. <laughs> Sorry, right? I, don't, I didn't count a Challenger. I found other American stuff. Can I give you an answer now? It this does a wheelie. One of my favourites. It does <laughs> do. Didn't, no, no, normal cars listening. don't do wheelies. wheelies. That's why this should be on the list. Yes. <laughs> but what about something like the Ford Excursion? Okay, completely run of the mill, long wheelbase SUV. You could have it with a 6.8 liter V10. That is the level of lunacy that I've been looking for that here, and that means that that no. You went edition... on the Wikipedia page of American cars with V10s <laughs> <laughs> with uh, in, in passenger cars. Why did no one mention the Volkswagen Passat 4 liter W8? That's effectively a Passat with half a Bugatti engine. Yeah, in the that's front. the point. They're very reasonable these days if you can <laughs> yes. find them. I, I, don't, to... I can't stand away. You got to take them to Molsheim <laughs> to get them serviced. No, but I, there was a taxi driver at University of Newcastle who had one of those. He said he was the fastest taxi driver in the northeast, and I I didn't put it past him. He was actually. <laughs> Incredible, yeah. yeah. Tunes it up as you were always just asleep in the back with vomiting out the side of it. Yeah, into yes. your KFC, won't yeah. Yeah. I'd have also given you perhaps a bonus point for the Toyota Previa SC, not because the engine in of itself was that outrageous, it was a supercharged 154 horsepower job, but it was mounted in the middle. This is a mid engine minivan. That what, makes it a like mid-engine Wait, hold on. All Previas were mid-engine, weren't they? Yeah, the yeah, they early were. ones were. Yeah, but you get a supercharged one. A Wait, hold on. Second, we said earlier van. about an Aspas with an F1 engine <laughs> in the middle, and it wasn't on the list. <laughs> <laughs> you buy that car. Yeah. These are cars that are the public. This is literally like living in the comments under one of yeah. my articles. <laughs> okay, let's, um, let's, let's, let's switch the engine off, guys. Okay. okay, we're wasting fuel here. We're wasting fuel. I've won that one. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ollie. Sorry, that's turned into a, a little bit of a witch hunt um, <laughs> on your behalf. But that's probably plenty yeah, for this it, podcast, isn't it? Yeah, but if you want to see what the, the rest is on the list, it's in uh, ontopgear.com and in the mag 
each month. And just while we're here plugging away, we may as well plug, plug, plug. Oh. So, do you want me to plug first? You get yeah, plug away. I'll get plugging then. Uh, make sure you uh, leave a review, uh, leave a star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe um, to the podcast. Uh, and please get in touch. Send us some messages on uh, podcast at bbctopgearmagazine.com. I'll be honest, we're waiting for those bank of juicy emails to build up a little bit and then we'll have a session where we read them all out. We did, yeah, we did have a few last month yeah, though, we so we're, we're going to read those out next month. But we've also got all our social media channels. If you're not into email, if you want your character limit to be a lot lower, you can tweet us, you can DM us on Instagram uh, and we're on the Facebook page, but also lots coming up on the YouTube channel because um, Jack's been to Sweden with Co- Mr. Conan's Egg and uh, we've been doing some quite fun stuff with another Conan's Egg coming up We have, soon. oh, teasy, teasy. Um, also, there, yeah, walk around of the CC850 where both Christian von Koenigsegg and I are wearing high-vis vests and hard hats because it's in a building site. So don't miss that. But it's very flattering for both of you. And then we've got that GT3 RS <laughs> and GT4 RS video coming as well as plenty more drives, reviews and lots of other good things. Yeah. Oh, and also pick up a copy of the magazine. How about that? You might have to leave the house and go to a shop and hand over some money, but, you know, do it the old-fashioned way. Or you can get an online subscription. But either way, you can save money there to put towards your road trip, your £300 road trip. Um, And, uh, yeah, remember your packed lunches. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time.